0: Welcome to episode 40 of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Today, this episode is actually born out of a combination of factors, really two factors. One is that I recently read this article that was actually written by a complementarian author. And as I said before, I actually spend quite a bit of my time reading articles by both complementarians and also egalitarians. And when I read something new, I usually try to look up what the other side has to say or what a few different people on the other side have to say because I really want to read critiques of all kinds because there's always things that I haven't thought of that I want to think more about and that I really want to understand. And other people are way smarter than me and can help me understand. Anyways, this article was actually critiquing a book that I've been reading for, it feels like, forever because it's a very dense but very good book called Paul and Gender by Dr. Cynthia Long Westfall. And I highly recommend this book. It is so good. It is cited by so many sources. It is really high-level scholarly work. Anyways, the author of the article actually stated that one of Dr. Westfall's points in her book and, and some of her evidence was actually not strong enough to, quote, overturn, unquote, established complementarian thought. So this kind of leads me into the second factor. And the second factor is really what's inspiring this episode. And it's this growing conviction I have that evangelicals tend to actually default to complementarian theology. It's sort of like egalitarians have to have all the answers to all the things, or else complementarians are right, or else their theological beliefs cannot be overturned. And I've got some concerns with this, so I want to dig into them today. And if you have no idea what complementarians are, what egalitarians are, you're totally like confused on what I've been talking about so far... I would encourage you to go back and listen to episode 28 if it suits you. That episode will give you some solid definitions to work off of, or you can Google it. All right, let's get started. Hey, millennial. Welcome to the revival podcast for millennial women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what he has to say through studying his words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Katherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at scripture, beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate creator, and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. Well, I just want to start off by saying that when I first began this whole journey into researching gender roles in the church... My underlying belief was really that I had to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that egalitarians were right, or else I would have to keep the complementarian theology that I had been taught for so long and believed in. Never mind that there's not even a consensus on a lot of issues within egalitarian thought beyond that gender roles aren't really a thing. I had no idea that there was actually quite a bit of diversity of thought there. Different egalitarians think different things, and they agree all on one fundamental thing, that gender roles, like I said, aren't a thing. But other than that, there's lots of different nuance, there's lots of different arguments, there's lots of different things to consider. And as I researched more and more and more into these issues, I realized something really important. I had not questioned, ever... (laughs) Whether Complementarian theology was, as much as possible, objectively convincing in and of itself. As objective as I can possibly be, did I think Complementarian theology was actually convincing? Did I think the evidence pointed to the conclusions of Complementarianism? And I hadn't thought of that before. And I had never wondered why complementarian theology was my default. Why was that the thing I was going to default to? Why did it feel like I was a sinner for questioning this theology? Why did it feel like I didn't value the Bible if I didn't believe complementarian? Why did it feel like I was a bad Christian if I didn't believe it? Why was I ashamed to even talk about it, even with my community group at my church? Some of you are in my community group at my church, and you know the moment I'm talking about. So I thought that this theology, it had to be my default. I thought it was established as right, the correct reading of the word of God, and anything else was incorrect. And what really shifted my perspective on this was actually a combination of all the different articles that I've read. And also, like I've mentioned a million times, Kristen cobes Dumais' Jesus and John Wayne. Please read it. It is honestly worth every second of your time. And as I started to read these books and articles, I actually realized something else, that my feelings of guilt and badness and being a sinner for questioning complementarian theology, was actually by design. It was by the design of some complementarian men, some, who were in high positions of power, who had a high degree of authority and influence, who taught me that their view was biblical, and anyone who thought differently did not hold a high regard for scripture. Wow, that's heavy, right? That if you don't believe in that theology, you reject that scripture is what you live by, that the Bible is what you live by and subscribe to and believe. There is a design. There is an intentionality in which some complementarian men in high positions of power are trying to make it seem Like egalitarians are anti biblical. That egalitarians are wrong, that they don't respect the Word of God, that they refuse to obey the Word of God and see it for what it is. And here's the problem with that. Here's the problem. Even though some complementarians claim to have this highest view of Scripture, my friends, they too selectively choose verses and read into things that aren't obviously recorded with a plain reading of the scriptures. And I'm not saying that egalitarians don't do this too. They absolutely do. But I find in my research that, they're, that they tend to be more honest about it. They tend to fess up that they are looking more at some verses than others. I don't see that very often with complementarian authors of articles that I'm reading. It's really interesting. Now, a word of encouragement. If you are someone who grew up believing complementarian theology, if you're someone who is actually afraid to question it, I want this encouragement to be to you. There are really, truly strong and convincing arguments on the egalitarian side of things. People who are highly educated, pastors, both male and female, Christians, people who hold the highest regard for scripture, believe in egalitarian theology too, right? Complementarians, they also believe in the high regard of scripture and so do egalitarian authors. So digging into context, history, biblical interpretation, translations of the Bible and more, that's not wrong. It's good Bible study. There are a lot of human choices that went into translating our Bible. A lot of human choices went into defining theology and doctrine in all kinds of ways. That leads me to a challenge as well. If you believe in complementarian theology, or some parts of complementarian theology because you don't have to agree with everything, that's also okay. Okay take the time to really think about that theology. Really, really think about it. Research it. And above all, I'd encourage you to pray about it, to read scripture, to rely on the guidance and the truth of the Holy Spirit. Let's not just default to thinking this theology is right. And it also shouldn't take flawless arguments on the other side To leave this theology behind or at least question it on its own, by itself, even if egalitarians are not convincing, on its own, complementarian theology should hold up. It should make a high degree of sense. Maybe not perfect sense, (laughs) but it should be weighty and convincing, this evidence. And maybe for you, it is. Maybe you have objectively taken a look at the evidence and you have found it convincing. Or maybe you're like me and haven't really thought about it before. And if that's you, let me give you some places, some some questions that really got me thinking. It requires us to take a step back. To think about these things. To let them sink in. Here are some starting questions for you. Ones that really made me question this theology. Does it make sense, does it make sense that God would limit the gifts of women? Does it make sense that there needs to be a leader in the household if Jesus Christ is the one we all submit to? Does it make sense to selectively apply 1 Timothy 2.12, which reads, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Does it make sense to selectively apply that so that women can speak in church, but cannot preach or be pastors, so that women can be authors scholars, historians of the Bible, yet not teach men. These questions and many, many more (laughs) that I've asked, many, many questions, have actually led me to the conclusions I have come to when researching these issues for really the better part of a year now. And I just want to be really honest and upfront with you, my friend, that at this point in my life and in my research, complementarian theology is just not convincing for me anymore. And this is aside from the arguments of egalitarians, just setting that aside. I have read those verses that complementarians rely on again and again and again. And hey, maybe you're like me. I used to cringe and I used to avoid them at all costs. I would skip them when I was reading through the Bible, (laughs) if I'm being honest. But now I actually read them and I'm confused genuinely how complementarians have drawn the conclusions that they have drawn. And it's not for lack of trying to understand. Remember, I used to believe this, but it just no longer makes sense to me. Because I've read the rest of the Bible too. And for me, what happens when I read the Bible holistically and not just zero in on a few verses is that I see things. I see women leaders like Deborah, like Phoebe, like Mary Magdalene, like Priscilla, I continue to ask questions like, why would God give man and woman dominion over the earth before the fall equally, if that were not the ideal state between man and woman? Why is it that Jesus fulfills the law so we are not oppressed by it, and he makes all things new, and yet this somehow doesn't apply to husbands ruling over wives as a result of the fall? And in fact, if gender roles were so important to God, then why don't we have a record of Jesus addressing them directly? Why did Jesus even have female disciples? Why did he invest time in loving and teaching women? Why does God allow women to prophesy and teach in the New Testament, in the book of Acts? Isn't prophecy a form of teaching? of correction, of guidance, a word from the Lord? Can women actually not share prophecies that God has given them for men to edify and build up the men? The lines just feel so arbitrary to me. And in fact, for me, the lines feel man-made. Maybe they don't to you. I don't mean to invalidate you. I'm really just trying to share my journey. And my only request is no matter where you are, that you just think about it, study it, research it. And if you don't have the time, I want to continue to share my findings on this podcast. And I hope ultimately that it could be a resource for you. But I also want you to know where I'm coming from, the perspective that I have, the ideology that I hold. So that you know who's speaking to you. That you know my bias, my perspective, my point of view. I don't want you to question or wonder. Because all humans have a perspective and a bias. Every single one of us. So I want you to know mine. And look, if there's a particular topic or a question that you want me to cover, please let me know. If you know me, text me, as I always say. Or if you don't know me, please email me at podcastercatherine@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And I don't pretend for one second (laughs) at all to know everything. And I don't pretend to be wise and I don't pretend to be perfect, but I will do my best to share what I know or what I can find out on the questions that you have if you text me or email me. If I don't already know, based on the research I've already done, I will do my best to look it up for you. And I might not have exact answers or conclusions, but I will do my best for you to present you with the options. Now, I want to end today with a reading of scripture. It is Ephesians 2, which is 22 verses long, so bear with me. And it's words for men and women alike. There are not really gender distinctions that are mentioned here in this passage. In fact, this passage actually largely addresses Jewish and Gentiles and their oneness in Christ. But I think the words really are encouraging for what I'm talking about today and even if they're not, that they would just encourage you as words in the Bible. So here we go. Ephesians chapter two. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I hope that this passage has encouraged you. And I hope this episode has resonated with you on some level. And if it has, I would ask a quick little request. If you would please share it with someone. If you're listening on your phone, you can just hit the little share podcast episode. And you can share it with a friend, a family member. You could share it on your social media. Share it somewhere. I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for every single woman who is listening. Thank you that you are the authority on scripture. Please guide our hearts. Please guide our minds. Please guide our thoughts. And move us closer to you and your heart. That we may see the gospel more clearly and more beautiful than ever before. I pray a blessing over every woman who is listening. That she would find truth. That she would draw near to you. And she would find peace and comfort and love within your heart. You love us so much, God. So much more than we could possibly imagine. Thank you, Lord. You are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining. I'll chat with you next week. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts these reviews help more women find the show and it helps grow our community. Plus these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast and that my friends blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.